Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Today we're, we're jumping back into our series. We're in week three uh, of a series we've entitled Battle Ready. And uh, Pastor Anthony kicked this series off a few weeks ago, uh, just walking through, man, what is it? Why are we preparing? What is this preparation about? What does it mean to be battle ready with an intro? And then last week, Pastor Angel kicked off the first piece of the armor uh, with the belt of truth. And man, I love what she said. She said, if you're going to win in the spiritual realm, you need to fight with spiritual armor. Right? So this isn't like, oh, we need to train because we're going to throw hands. Uh, we need to train spiritually because we're going to throw hands. And so we need to be ready with that. And uh, before we jump in and see where we're going today, I just want to bring a little context to the book of Ephesians. So Paul, uh, the writer, is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. And if you ever have a chance to read it, uh, the book of Ephesians is like the, the cherry on top of the Sunday. Like it's, it's there. And he starts off so strong. And man, he's beginning with, man, you are chosen. You are highly favored. You are selected. You are forgiven. The love of the Father is lavished upon you. Like, man, you want to feel encouraged and inspired? Just dive into the first few chapters of the book of Ephesians. And then it, then he finishes the book of Ephesians with spiritual warfare. Like, hey, you are chosen, you are selected, and now you need to be ready for battle. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. This is our text for the entire series. We just happen to, we'll add a line by line by line at the end of it, and then we'll be complete when it's all done. But it's in starting in verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's important to know, it says, be strong in your own strength and by your own power. No, it says, be strong in whom? It says, be strong in the Lord and not with your own strength, but by his mighty power. Then put on the full armor of God, not pieces. So this isn't, a, this isn't a buffet today where you just go, man, I want this piece or this piece. No, you gotta put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in the heaven of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. There's a full again, right? And so it's, we just can't pick and choose. We're gonna put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, right? You won't quit, you won't give up, you won't retreat, you won't surrender, but you will stand your ground. And after you've done everything you know to do by standing, you've done it in your own strength, you've done it in your own power, you're, you've, now God's like, listen, I'm going to bring some tools, some resources that are going to help you to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the, breath, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Paul is saying there is a real enemy who wants to stir the pot. There is a real enemy that's going to create division. There is a real enemy who's going to bring about chaos. There is a real enemy who is going, going to cause some confusion. And some of you may be thinking, oh yeah, no doubt about it. I've experienced it. That's my coworker. Like, nope, that's the person in the cubicle next to me. That's the real enemy. You know what? No, 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 it's, it's that family member. We all have that one family member. No, it's that family member. They're the enemy. Or it's my neighbor. If you've ever met my neighbor, not my neighbor, because my neighbors are great, but your neighbors, maybe, maybe you're like, man, it's, it's this person. Can I let you in on a little secret this morning? Don't be, more, don't be more worried about the enemy you think you can see. Put on the armor and fight the one you cannot see. 
right? We're so busy and we get so caught that, oh, this person, because of what they said, what they done, and that they're the real enemy. There is an enemy, but why don't we put on the armor so we can fight the one we cannot see? I love that when God gives his commandment of, man, put on this armor and then I'm gonna empower you to stand firm, that he gives the tools and the resources to be able to stand firm. To say, these are the tools that are needed. And so throughout this series, I hope you get this. Man, this is, this is battle ready, which means we don't quit. Right? When you just don't go, you know what? I'm just not in the mood today. I'm not feeling it. I'm just, I'm just going to retreat. I'm going to run away. No, this is, this is the time. And this is the time to take the stance, to stand firm, to not be moved because we can wear the belt of truth. And then today we're going to glean a little wisdom from the word of what does it mean to have the breastplate of righteousness? Why do we need the breastplate of righteousness to walk in the fullness and the victory of Jesus? Now understand that when Paul was writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, he was in prison. And when you're in prison, there are guards who watch over you to make sure you don't try to escape. And so these would have been Roman soldiers that would have been manning this prison. And maybe they looked a little like this. We're not exactly sure. I wasn't there thousands of years ago. You weren't either, but probably looked like that. The only problem is definitely, definitely would have bigger muscles. That's all I'm trying to say. I'll, you know what? I'll have a picture next week of what I would really look like in that armor. I got it on my phone. But definitely look like this, minus the freckles, all right? And so you see, there, what? There's, there's a shield. There's a sword. It's a good-looking Roman soldier. I don't know about you. You may want to take it off the screen. We don't want anybody lost, all right? Take it down. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. <laughs> there is a breastplate that is worn as part of the armor. And that breastplate is for protection. This armor weighed about 70 pounds and it's considered the most important piece because it protects the most important piece of you because the breastplate is protecting your vital organs. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you get stabbed in the heart, you gone. And so there is a protection that we need. So in modern day equivalent, would be a flak jacket. Now, it just so happens that I know enough people that I know the right person to call. And so it would be like wearing one of these, right? So, so wearing this protects what? It's protecting my vital organs, right? This is not a clinic on how to be a, a shooter, but you're, you aim for here. It's the biggest part of your body. And so you wear a jacket that will protect your vital organs. So if there is a battle, you are protected. Now, don't worry, I'm not an instructor. They just let me borrow it. But there was this one time where uh, I went with the youth group and uh, we were out, we were going laser tag. And laser tag, you have these, these, these things on your shoulders and then you have a big one right here in the center and that's what people are aiming for. Well, when we went, uh, Chelsea Broyles, who went with us, she called me a cheater. And I was like, how dare you? Don't you ever call me a cheater. I wasn't cheating. I was winning. There's a difference. You in the front row, don't listen about what I'm about to say, okay? Because, no, I'm just kidding. But here's the deal. I, I was like, okay, I got this, and I'm going to win. Because how do you know that when you're competitive, you're not losing to a five-year-old in laser tag? And those little rascals that are running around, they're like so small, they're like, do-do-do. And I'm like, I'm not doing it, and so I'm going to be competitive. There's like 30 people in this room. And so what I did, because there was a center to this uh, jacket that I was wearing, I took my hand, because you got to hold the triggers on the gun. And so I took my forearm and covered the center right? And so I walked around like this, and then I would just go like this, do, 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 do. 
and I'm just walking around pegging little kids and they can't hit me because because I'm covering the most important part that they cannot see. Now, some of you are like, man, you are unethical. You are a cheater. It was strategy. There's a difference. Good thing we're talking about righteousness today. All right. But here's the deal. The breastplate guards your heart. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, above anything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And if everything you do flows from it and you're going to guard your heart, Paul says what? He uses the word righteousness. And so what is righteousness? In simple form, righteousness is right living. That's what righteousness is. It's right living. The, The dictionary defines righteousness as a behavior that is morally justifiable or right. So wouldn't we say, I want to live according to the righteousness of our father? What we're saying is, man, I'm going to live according to the truth of his word. And so I'm going, if I'm going to date, I'm going to date according to the truth of his word. If I'm going to spend money, I'm going to spend it to, according to the truth of his word. If I'm going to love people the way that God has asked me to love people, I will do it according to his word because I want to be righteous and have right living. Does that mean there could be fake living? Yes. We've probably all experienced it. Any of you ever been on a first date? You're like, that wasn't fake. That was real. Come on now. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be vulnerable. You go on that first date. You go into your closet. You find your best clothes. You don't find your worst clothes. You find your best outfit. Or you go buy a new outfit. And what do you do with that outfit? You iron it. You haven't ironed in three years, but today is a first date. So that thing's going to be pressed. Heavy starch. You're ready to go. And then you're, you're like, okay, I just don't want to go out to, I don't want to do what Pastor Lance did on his first date because he wasn't very smart. And so I'm not going to Bob Evans. I'm going to go to a different restaurant, a restaurant that I can't afford, but I'm going to spend enough money because I want to make an impression. Why? Because I do not want the other person to see my flaws. And so you're like, okay, I'm ready. I got the outfit picked out. We're looking good. I have the restaurant. We're ready to go in my car. Now I have to get the 42 empty water bottles out of my car before I pick this person up. Because I don't want them to see behind the curtain. I don't want them to experience the real me. I want them to experience uh, an outward practicing me that says, man, I have my act together. And then you're like, okay, maybe you're a person that that talks too much. And you're like, I'm going to make sure on this first date that I don't talk too much. Or maybe you're a person who's opposite, who doesn't talk enough. And you're like, man, I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to ask Google What are the best questions to ask on a first date? Because I don't want to have that moment where you're just awkwardly staring at the person across the table for you while they eat their food and it's dead silent, right? So I don't want to have that. And so you're going to do everything you can to make sure that this is a perfect scenario. But then the problem is three months later, after going on that first date, reality begins to set in and you're like, oh yeah, I didn't clean my car for this date. I didn't iron my clothes for this date. And then you begin to see what the real person is because we feel like we're going to practice the right thing because that's all it's going to take. So what I'm going to do for this first date is have some behavior modifications that will lead to a successful result. Can I let you know that God is not looking for behavior adjustments? He's looking for heart adjustments. He's looking for us to go from I have to to I want to. And there's a huge difference. I mean, what I'm talking about, like, oh, I have to do that. Like, I have to go to church. My parents make me, right? Whatever it is, I have to. No, then there's a heart transformation that says, I want to. I can't miss. I have to be in the room. If the healer's in the room, then I'm going to be in the room. If the king is in the room, then I'm going to be in the room. 
If the Savior's in the room and his presence is going to be there, then I'm showing up regardless. Because your heart is transformed. It's not a behavior adjustment. It's a heart adjustment that says, man, I can't wait to experience the power and the presence of Jesus. In Proverbs 13, 6, this is what it says about righteousness. It says, righteousness guards the, per- guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Let me, let me explain it to you like this. A number of years ago, um, we noticed a strange smell in our garage. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, it started off really faint. Like, do you smell that? And we walk in, you smell that? Yeah, it just smells weird. And I'm like, all right, well, the garage isn't that dirty, but I, maybe there's something in here. Like, something got left. Maybe, like, for those of you who went to camp, like, camp shoes got stuck under a corner or something like that. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to clean the garage. Take everything out. Good. Perfect. Everything's great. Still smell it a little bit. And then it gets stronger. And I go to Home Depot. I get that Zorbex spray. It, like, absorbs bad odor. I'm like, maybe it's just not. I'm like you would have thought I was going on a first date with the, like I was spraying this stuff everywhere, like absorb it, nothing. Still smells horrible. We started putting air freshener in our garage. That's how bad the smell got. And it only got worse and worse because I couldn't find the source of the problem. So one day I'm like, all right, Detective Lance, he's gonna figure out what this is. And so I'm, I'm walking around in my garage and I, like I start this way and then I'm this way and everything okay? I got closer to the man door and I'm like, I'm like man, it's, it's, it smells like it's right here where the shoes are at. I'm like, does someone got a bad pair of shoes? Like, what am I gonna do here? And I was like, man, it's coming from my winter boots. Grab my flashlight, look down. Cause I mean, no, I'm not putting my hand in it. I'm not an idiot, right? And so I was like, what's going on? So I put the flashlight in. Sure enough, a chipmunk decided to make its way into our garage, probably was wounded or hurt in some way, and found a nice, comfortable, warm place uh, to lay its head down to rest. And that smell was its decomposing body in my boot. Yeah, welcome to church. (laughs) And so what did I do? Once I found the smell, I took the smell and I removed it. My kids were like, Dad, are you going to clean those boots? I was like, no, I'm not cleaning the boots. I put them in a bag. I took them out of the garage. I put them in the trash receptacle because that's where things that smell go. And then sure enough, left the garage door open for just, just a few hours, closed the door, and the smell was gone. Why? Because I got to the source. And it's so similar in our lives. We want to cover the odor without removing the source. We want to live in the garbage of our choices and wonder why we smell. We get stuck with making sure that the outside appearance looks good, but the inside has not experienced the transformation. We settle for temporary satisfaction instead of seeking the source of true satisfaction. Because we got to have this appearance. Like, you can't be frustrated about fruit flies if you leave the fruit basket on the counter. Now, here's what I'm saying. Like, if if you see fruit flies and you're like, oh, we need to get rid of these. And so you do everything in your power to get rid of them, but you never remove the fruit and you still have the flies. Here's what's happening. You've invited them to stay. You've brought them into the problem. The enemy's invasion starts with an invitation. And some of you are like, no, 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 I didn't ask for it. Your lifestyle did. You didn't say, hey, enemy, you have a scheme. I want you to come in and I want you to mess with my life. But the choices and the lifestyle have invited that opportunity to take place. And so today we're going to learn about the righteousness that we can experience with Jesus. So here's three thoughts on righteousness. Number one is righteousness can be faked, but God cannot be fooled. 
Where's all my life group hosts? You've hosted a life group before. Raise your hand. Some of you are like, nope, because you're going to ask me to do it again this year, so I'm leaving my hand out. No, we need you again. To this. Listen, hosting a life group is amazing. Here's why it's so amazing. Once a month, you host a life group. Angel and I have been leading a life group for over 15 years, hosting. Once a month, we get to clean our house. Now, we clean it all other times, but on that Sunday, like, you're going to clean. Like, you leave church. I got TVs in my house, so I put the Browns game on, and I'm walking as I'm cleaning and doing all those things. Well, with our three kids, we live just in a small ranch. I'm like, kids, you need to, you need to clean your rooms. And they're like, Dad, why don't we just close the door? I was like, better yet, why don't we just leave it open for everybody to see? <laughs> they're like, I got a better idea. I'll clean my room. And so they clean the room. And I look at it like I'm like, this is a disaster area. And just a few short hours later, I'm like, this place is immaculate. Kids, nice job. Like, you're crushing it. You did it so good. Like, it looks good. We got the little lines on the carpet in their bedrooms because they vacuum. Like, let's go. And so then people, life group show up, and they're like, man, your house is really clean. I'm like, yeah, I've been cleaning it for six hours, okay? And I was like, and look at my kids' room. Look at what my kids did. They did awesome. And then it's typically three, four days later that my kids start making this statement. I can't find my shoe. Have you seen my jacket? And then I start thinking to myself, how is it possible you can't find something when your room is meticulously clean? How many, know where parents, how many parents know where I'm going with this? And then so real army, like dad version, I'm like, well, what's underneath the bed? And so I just get in the army crawl and I look under the bed and I can't see anything because the shove technique has worked and they have shoved to where the bed is propped up. Like there's so much stuff underneath the bed that I'm like, ah, this bed is gonna, like, you're just literally holding you up. And then some of my kids, they don't have that. Like the bed is, you can't get anything underneath. So then you go to the closet door. And it looks like a well-played game of Tetris. That this avalanche will not fall out of this closet because this shoe is holding up this shirt, which is holding up this pair of pants. And I'm like, I found your shoe. Because what we do is we clean to have an appearance that it's clean and not actually being clean. And you want to make sure, like, because here's the deal, is we take this stuff and we put it underneath the bed and then we, we do this and we move it underneath the closet and, and then all of a sudden it looks clean, but it's not clean. God doesn't want you to act like a Christian. He wants you to be one. It's not like, oh, I need to pick myself up so I look clean. No, he wants you to be clean. And maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, here's the deal. I, I got it all together. I'm good. Do you know that all of us have stuff hidden under our beds? There are things in the back of your closet that no one can find. Here's what Romans 3.10 says. It says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So we all have stuff in our life that we need to deal with. And we have to be careful that we don't minimize Christianity to looking right. Right? I look right. Jesus didn't come so you could look right. Jesus didn't give his life so you could be the better version of your past life. Lee Strobel says it this way. Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people live. And so it's not about the appearance. Jesus didn't come to help you manage your sin. Like, oh, here's what I need you to do. It's, it's under the bed now, but all you have to move it is to the closet. And once you've moved it to the closet and no one can see it, then you move it to the junk drawer. He didn't come so we would be empowered to manage it. Jesus came so we would have victory over our sin. He didn't come for a fake righteousness. He came so that we could experience righteousness through him. 
So you can experience the righteousness of Christ. You can have victory over the addiction. You can have victory over the temptation. You can have victory over the struggle. You can have victory over the fear and the worries and the doubts because you can experience his freedom. And once you've experienced his freedom and not the fakeness, then you can have the chains broken from that addiction to pornography. Then you can find freedom when it comes to alcoholism. Then the chains will break in your life with your fears and your worries. And then the chains will break from the past that you continually experience. Because you didn't find something that was fake, you found freedom. And here's what I love, is you don't have to fake it because you can find it. You can find it in the person of Jesus. Second this morning is righteousness is meant to be embraced, not earned. When you try to earn it, you try to fix it yourselves. Understand something. We are to be righteous, but before you can be righteous, you have to become righteous, and that is only accomplished when we receive it from Jesus. It can't be done in our own strength. We can't earn it because righteousness is both imputed and imparted. Let me give you a definition of what imputed means. When I say imputed righteousness, it means at the moment of salvation, you didn't earn it nor deserved it, yet it was given to you. The theological term for this is justification. You are justified means the debt has been canceled. What, what happens with justification is when the father looks down at you and me, he doesn't see the sin, he sees his son. Because we are justified through Jesus Christ. It's through his righteousness. It's not something that we can earn. It's something that he gives. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, here's that word, become the righteousness of God. You don't have to work for it, but you do have to embrace it. It's not about your works. It's about his finished work on the cross. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, we have been healed. So you don't earn it, but you have to receive it. And some of you are here this morning like, Pastor Lance, I have received it. I've given my life to Jesus and I'm justified, but I am still messed up. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the team where you're like, man, but I, I thought for sure then my life would be perfect and, and understand we are complex beings. We have many parts. Did you know that we have a body? You are, you are in a body, a, sh- a shell this morning. And your body is the struggle. It gives into temptations. It's the flesh. It needs to be born again. The problem is the flesh won't be born again until we receive our glorified bodies in heaven. And so that means there will be a constant temptation. There will be a constant struggle. There will be a Paul in the book of Romans. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I do not do. And so there is a flesh and a spirit battle in the flesh we give into. But the scripture tells us that we have to crucify it. We have to deny it on a daily basis. Here's what I know. If he can't shackle you to sin, he's going to shackle you to yourself. Because, oh, I can do this. I can have victory in this area of my life. I don't need no help. We all need help because the flesh is strong. So we have a body. We also have a soul. Your soul is your will, your mind, your emotions. And your mind is not to be crucified, but the scripture tells us to be, what, to have a transformed renewing of our minds. And so we have to make sure that we have the right order. We don't crucify the mind so that way we can have victory. No, we make sure we're transformed by the mind so then we can have victory over the flesh. And then we're also spirit. 
And we have to make sure that we have this order right. And so when we say things like, have you given your heart to Jesus at the end of service, right? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you made him Lord of your life? What we're saying is, are, have you been born again of spirit? When Jesus had a conversation in, in the book of John, in John chapter three, and there's Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is talking, and he's like, man, the flesh gives birth to the flesh, the spirit to the spirit. Have you been born again? Have you accepted Jesus into your life? So you start with the spirit, which empowers you to transform the soul that brings about victory in the body. And here's what happens when we get it in the wrong order is we live frustrated instead of free. We live frustrated because we're like, man, I thought for sure I would be further ahead of following Jesus. I didn't think I would struggle with this mindset or, or, or this struggle. So if I give my life to Jesus, I'm righteous, yes. And do I need to become righteous? Yes. So my question to you is, have you given your heart to Jesus? At the end of service, in just a few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes, to give him control. Because until you embrace his righteousness, you'll not be able to walk in righteousness. So you have to embrace his. But it doesn't stop there. So we say it's imputed, and righteousness is also imparted. That means it's a constant work from the day of salvation. The, word, the theological term for this would be sanctification. So imputed is justification, imparted is sanctification. So it starts with the spirit, and then it works to the other areas of our life. Sanctification is not the act of God of declaring a person righteous. It's the continual process in which God is making a person righteous. It is a progressive work of his grace in our life that when we mess up, we continue to move in a forward direction saying, God, I want to be more like you and less with me. I need you, the empowerment of your spirit to have victory in this area of my life. And here's why this is so important. Because righteousness transforms us from the inside out. It transforms us from the inside out. Justification works out in every area of your life that brings about sanctification. Here it is in Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 through 24. It says that, however, is not the way of life you have learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, that's the flesh, the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be made new in attitude, right? So you see body, you see mind, Right here, your attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Understanding that whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. So my question for you is what are you feeding? Right, what's most important? Because if you feed the spirit, you live right. If you feed the flesh, you live rotten. And so we have to be willing to feed the spirit at all times. Like what's the priority of the day? It's connecting with Jesus. Like, man, I, I, I really do want to be the best dad on planet Earth, but that's not the top priority. I really do want to be a husband that honors and loves and respects his wife, and, and that's a great priority, but it's not the first. You see, the first priority of my life is making sure that I am in right relationship with the Father, that I am connecting with Jesus on a daily basis, that I'm in the Word, that I'm in worship, that I'm experiencing Him on a daily basis, not just on Sunday mornings. Because it's from him and through him that every other relationship has health. If my relationship with Jesus is not healthy, how could I possibly be living in right relationship with everyone else? And so we live in right relationship with Jesus, and so he has to be the priority. But I'm so grateful that Jesus who saved you is the same Jesus who will sanctify you. He is a savior and he's a sanctifier. When I was a kid, we didn't go on many family vacations. Um, the only place I ever went to was South Bend, Indiana, where my grandparents live. And uh, they had a little camper in, in Michigan on Mud Lake. I mean, tell that to your friends. Like, all your friends are like, oh, I went to Florida. I went to Disney World. Where'd you go, Mud Lake? <laughs> 
Uh, and so they had this camper and uh, my grandpa was an avid fisherman. And so we'd always go out and he taught me how to fish and uh, he taught me how to use a cane pole. Right? If you've ever had to fish with a cane pole, if, you did, if you've never fished with a cane pole, you are missing out. There's nothing better than just being like, like that. I mean, it's that simple, right? Um, but but one, of the, one of the things was, as a kid, is if I wasn't with my grandpa, I always had to fish from the shore. Well, that's where everybody swims. So there's not a lot of fish there. So one day I went back to the camper. I was like, hey, grandpa, there's all these boats up there that, that you know, are they for people to use? And he's like, yeah. I said, hey, do you think me and my buddy who, I, who came with us could go out in one of those rowboats? right? And, and go to where the lily pads are, because where the lily pads are, that's where the fish are. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Just be very careful. Make sure you have your life jacket. I was like, yeah, we got a life jacket. We're good. And so we come up to the boats, and I noticed that the boats were flipped over upside down. And I was like, hmm. as a boy, I was like, this makes some sense, right? Because if it rains, they get filled with water. Or if you're out on the water, and then you're messing around, they get filled with water, you have to empty it. And so being upside down made sense. And I was like, okay, not a big deal. So me and my buddy were there, and I was like, all right, let's flip this boat over, and let's go get in the water. And so, yeah, young boy, I walk over, I flip over the boat, flip over the boat, and then I wet myself, and then I went, because when I flipped over that boat, snake comes running at me. So how many know the, the advantage of when you're with somebody, you don't have to be the fastest person, you just have to be faster than the slowest person. So it was in that moment where I shoved him towards the snake and I took off and I was like, gotta go, right? And so it was in that moment that I flip over the boat. And what I realized is that boat being upside down created an environment that invited this snake to find its home. And how often in our lives do we create environments that create an invitation for the enemy have a home. You see, righteousness is right side living that allows the blessing of the Father to flow. But unrighteousness is upside down behaviors that give an invitation to the enemy to make himself at home. And I wonder if it's time for us to stop creating environments that allow the chaos of our lives to flourish. Like, man, this isn't, for some reason, whenever we get ourselves in this environment, chaos always happens. Change the environment. So the chaos cannot flourish. So last week, Pastor Angel talked about the belt of truth. And there's a reason there's an order to the text. Remember we talked about how heavy this armor would be? That belt that goes on first, it helps carry the weight of that breastplate. And some of us here today, we've been carrying the weight of the righteousness by ourselves and on our own shoulders. And it's way too much for us to carry. The reason being is is God's standard of righteousness is perfection. And that's unobtainable for us. It would be like me saying, hey, listen, here's what I want to do. Before we leave today, I want to empower you. I want to give you a challenge. I want each and every one of you to jump and touch the ceiling. How many know that ain't happening? That's not happening. It's not happening with Pastor Anthony and his sixth grade championship basketball team. It's not happening. Yeah, I don't care how, like he, I mean, the, the dude's got the biggest cast on planet earth, but it's not gonna help him touch this ceiling because it's impossible. It's not going to happen. And so what we keep striving for is something that is unobtainable within our own power and with our own strength. And so we need to make sure that we have the imputed righteousness of God, that we receive him as Lord and savior of our life because he paid a debt 
But not only did he pay a debt, he makes a deposit of his righteousness in our lives. We couldn't earn it. There's nothing we could do, but we do have to receive it. So today with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And again, if you're a guest here, sometimes it's like, why do you ask people to close their eyes and and bow their heads? It's because it's not, we're gonna do something weird. There's no dupe, there's no sneak, there's there's no scheme here. This is an opportunity for for you to just pause and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life, to speak to your heart, to speak to your mind. It's for you to eliminate the distractions, not worry about what's happening in the room with the person next to you or in front of you, but for you to say, Holy Spirit, do a work in my life. If you're here this morning, and say, Pastor Lance, that's, you were talking about have I given my life to God? Have I given my life to Jesus? Is he, is he, is he Lord of my life? I have not done that. I, I have not experienced his righteousness. Today, he wants to deposit that into your body, into your spirit. That when the father sees you, he doesn't see you by your sin. He sees you through his son. So if that's you, if you're watching online, one of our hosts would love to pray with you. If you're in the room, Here's all I'm gonna ask you to do. Would you simply raise your hand toward heaven and say, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus today. I wanna be Lord of my life. I'm giving him full control. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. And we don't have to earn it. We don't have to fake it because we can find it. But it's found in you and only you. So Lord, for those who raise their hands online and in person, for those who open themselves up to receive from you, God, it's in this moment where I pray, Lord, that you would move in their heart and their life. Lord, as they open themselves up to you, Lord, that, that you would transform them from the inside out. Lord, as they surrender to you today, giving their life to you, Lord, would you justify them, not because it's something they've done to earn it, but because you impute it. You give that deposit into their heart. So Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to receive your righteousness so we can live and walk in your righteousness. That today we would choose right living. None of us are perfect. But God, I pray we'd be willing to deal with what's under our bed or what's in our closet because we wanna be more like you. Empower us through your spirit We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name, amen.